0: Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Roundtable podcast, where we interview experts who tackle the tough topics and share strategies and techniques that will help you start, build, and grow your real estate investing business. And now your host, Rob The House Guy.
1: Today is a little bit of a different spin. We are talking about getting started. Our guest on the show today, we have Shamika Jackson, which is a veteran of what, about four years? Four years. And Dave Pollack, which is a brand new investor that's just getting started. Welcome, guys. Thank,
0: Thank you. you. Welcome.
1: All right. So this is really where a lot of you folks at home are probably going to really relate to that are just getting started, because it's the scary part about taking that first step, that first plunge off into the cold water, and hopefully, they're gonna have some amazing insight that's gonna help you get through it. So tell me a little bit about you getting started. How many years ago?
2: Um, about four years ago.
1: About four, And how many deals have you done so far?
2: I've done about seven or eight deals.
1: About seven or eight deals. Okay. And primarily, the what you're doing with these deals?
2: Um, wholesaling them.
1: Wholesaling. Okay. So assigning contracts or using transactional funding and reselling.
2: Correct.
1: Okay. Awesome. And Dave, you are just getting committed to getting started.
3: Absolutely, yeah, yep. And nothing yet, but I know you've made some offers. Yes, <laughs> I've got uh, three offers out right now, currently.
1: Awesome, awesome. So, I know I've seen some of the deals you have floating around. Very good, good stuff. So, when you got started, let's let's go back four years to your very first deal. Let's walk through it and tell me, how did you find it?
2: Okay, so, my very first deal wasn't four years ago. That's when I became an investor.
1: Four years ago. Okay, all right. (laughs) So you didn't give yourself the title or a label until four years ago. Right. Okay, Um, gotcha.
2: No, my deal came after I started. So it came about a year after I started being an investor.
1: Oh, all right. So you gave yourself the title, like, I'm an astronaut, but you didn't go to the moon for a year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, in that case, then, that I am a uh, astronaut rock star, and I played uh, large crowds in outer space. Right. Just yeah, let everyone know right that. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So I became an investor. I uh, got me some business cards and created a website. And... Took some classes and, you know, watched some videos and I was an investor, but I never really had got my first deal until maybe a year later after someone seen a bandit sign in the back of my car and said, hey, you buy houses. And I was like, yeah, I actually do.
1: So (laughs) So. the bandit sign for a bandit sign are those big signs for everyone that doesn't know those big yellow or white signs that say. I pay cash for houses, or we buy houses cash, any price, area, condition. Correct. Correct. And you're telling me in the back of your car, so yep. you stuck this in your back window.
2: Yep, it was one that didn't make it to the street.
1: Wow, and that's the one they called on. Yep, that's perfect. Now, have you hung any bandit signs? Have you done any of that? I have nothing out no. Nope. Okay, how are you looking for your deals right now?
3: So, <clears throat> looking at you know Auction.com, I'm looking for for websites at uh, you know FlipComp. There's there's different you know I'm, I'm really trying to find people like yourself that can say, "Hey, Dave, why don't you look on this site, or look, look, you know, look in the paper, or go to Craigslist, anything like that." So I'm, I'm, I'm scavenging everything.
1: Okay, so you're looking everywhere and trying lots of technology, yep. and you're going old school guerrilla marketing with the, uh, the bandit signs. Yep. So okay, so you get this call. Did you know how to handle it? What did you say? Were you nervous?
2: Of course, because it came out of nowhere. I was just <laughs> like, um, "Yeah, I guess, I guess I do buy houses." You know so guy was like hey i have a house on 111 do you want to come and see it i said sure so it took me about three or four days to muster up enough courage to actually walk in there and you know i had this paper from rob the house guy that was like a check off list and i was like let me go in here and just check it off right. so i went there and um, the guy actually wanted like twenty eight thousand dollars for this house. Mm-hmm. I had did some research, and the highest house was like eight thousand dollars had sold in the area. <laughs>
1: the <There's no laughs> one that called you right. twenty
2: eight. <laughs> um, and so I I was like, the most I could do here is about fifteen thousand which was probably the biggest mistake.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but still, like, so you noticed it was $8,000, and you went ahead and took the plunge and said, I'm going to give you almost double what they're going for in the area, but about half of what you want for it. Right,
2: right. Okay, nice compromise. No way, no way. So I was like, well, let's just write it up right now because I didn't want to just leave without a contract. I was like, I'm going to get this contract, and I signed him up right at the fence in the front yard, had my two little kids with me. They were like, "This house is creeping me out." Shut <laughs> <laughs> up! You're not living there. <laughs> right. So I signed it. Signed. Signed a contract. You signed it at what price? Fifteen thousand.
1: So he didn't want to do it. He still signed at fifteen thousand dollars. Yep. Awesome.
2: Yep. So, um, and then I went back home and I'm like, "There's no way no one's gonna buy this for $15,000 And if so, I'm not gonna get paid because that's about as much as they'll buy it for.
1: So first call, you went on the appointment. You came prepared with paperwork, you took all the pictures you needed to take, and you left there with a signature. Yep. So now you are in control of this property. Yep. Great. That is permanent. pause right there because we keep going on all this. <laughs> so now, when you go out and you're finding these deals, are you making an offer at least on just about everything you look at?
3: I would say probably 90%. Yeah. Yep.
1: You're throwing some sort of offer out there. Yep. Okay, a lot of times are there agents in between because you're trying to find
3: them online or Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So talking to an agent, obviously they want to get, you know, as much as they can for their client, and that comes into play where I'm I'm trying to look at, hey, how, how do I get into this property or how can I get a contract to the seller, not going through you know the agent. So that's to me, it's a, a kind of a learning curve.
1: Yes. I found that, you know, I, I buy on market stuff once in a while with agents, tons of off market stuff. Um, If you're not a licensed real estate agent, you can go directly to a seller and talk to them. If you have a license, don't do that, you'll lose your license. It's called crossing the sign. So, but the challenge is getting them to present your offer because I'm calling it that magical $100,000 house that probably doesn't exist, but it's a nice round number. So if you have that magical $100,000 house and it needs 10,000 in work, and you're offering them 65,000 and take the 10,000 off, it's 55,000 a lot of agents are gonna have a hard time presenting that. For sure. Because they just went and to get this listing, convinced their seller that their house is a lot cooler and worth more than it actually is, and now the first offer they get is gonna be half, basically, of what they're asking for it. How do you overcome that and make sure that the agent's actually presenting your offer and presenting it in a favorable light? Wow.
3: That's a great question. So, you know, how do I overcome that? I, I'm 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 still learning that angle. Getting to the you know getting to the actual seller is is the hard part, right? So you can do some research and try and find out who it is. Uh, but you know, getting them to actually write the offer, I would assume that that has to go to has to go to the actual seller, their client. They have to take that to them. Am I mm-hmm. Correct. I mean, that's that's part of their job. They're right? supposed to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think I've, I think I've experienced where they haven't, where they just turned around and said, "No, nah, we're not going to accept that." Um, And that's a challenge.
1: Right, one of the things that I've always found to be helpful, shameless plug for real flow that pays for this production, is just by typing the address into there, it pulls up public record to skip you from going to the Auditor's site. And it will show, one, who the owner is, their tax mailing address if they're living there or somewhere else, and then it tells what they paid for the house, when they bought the house, and what their mortgage amount is. So a lot of times, within 30 seconds, that gives me an idea of if it's a $100,000 house before I offer it at 65, if they bought it two years ago and have a $90,000 mortgage, and it's probably not a short sale, then it's probably gonna be a waste of everybody's time. So you kinda, of, that gives you a real quick way of guesstimating where your offer needs to fall and what type of offer you need to give. Gotcha. All right, so now let's take to the next step. You have this contract, and you don't know what to do with it. You have these pictures. What'd you do next?
2: So I actually went online and I started trying to find buyers, right? Because I really didn't, I was just like feeling my way through, you know? Um, And I met a buyer who offered $12,000 for the house. Actually, no, he offered $10,000 for the house. So I was like, well, hey, I'm not gonna get paid if I (laughs) give it to (laughs) you for that much. So then he said, well, I could give you $12,000 for the house. And I was like, all right. So I went back to my to my guy, the seller, and I said, um, I could get this closed in about a week if you want to go down to 10,000. And he's like, "A week? Let me check with my mom." Came back and said, "It's a go." I was like, "What? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Works for me." Yeah. So, well, now was that. And then I had to find a title company. <laughs> so I didn't have a title company. I didn't know what to do next and Fortunately enough, the investor was like, can we use my title company? I was like, sure, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So got that wrapped up. And then I was like, hey, it's off and running from here.
1: So you assigned the contract.
2: But you
1: did have the means to close on this. You could have taken a private money loan. Right, absolutely. Or do ever. So you could have closed on this. And that's where wholesaling sometimes in today's world is becoming illegal, if you will. We just had, um, in one of our episodes, we had a couple attorneys on here discussing that. Mm-hmm. And the big word is intent. Right. And you know, do you intend on closing? And do you have the ability to close? Right. So I know you would probably have had the private money lined right. up to get this, because I know the area, I know the price home, and I know tons of private lenders that would lend on that if necessary to do it. Right. So you found the buyer. You found this. You did your assignment of contract. And it all came through, and you got $2,000. Yep. And it's funny that you say $2,000 because my first assignment fee back in, oh, gosh, 96, 97 or something, I assigned, I bought one for eight, and I assigned it for 10.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was, I made $2,000. And at that time, I was working in a factory. I was a tool and dime maker. Mm-hmm. And I was probably after taxes, even with overtime, making like 900 bucks a week or something like that. And to make $2,000 a signed piece of paper, I thought it was all the money in the world. I felt like, wow, this is crazy money. So the $2,000, how did you feel when you got your $2,000? What what did that feel like inside to hold that check?
2: Well, it was amazing because, like you said, it was like so easy. um, Because in in the beginning, I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to buy this house, fix it up, put all this money into it, and then try and resell it. Um, so to close it out faster than what I really anticipated it to go without too much risk in it, it was like, this is the easiest thing in the world. (laughs) Where was I 10 years ago?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So now back to you, you're doing these, these houses, is your intent to try to wholesale or you may close these? Are you looking for buy, fix and sell or? Whatever opportunity presents itself.
3: Yeah, exactly. Whatever, whatever I can do. Quite honestly, I mean, if if I can wholesale something out quickly, absolutely. Kind of like your experience, and, and really kind of be done mm-hmm. and gone. I would love that. Um, but you know, fixing, fixing, you know, you know, sell for sure. I mean, I just want to be in the game, and that's that's the that hard part. I I feel like I'm I'm running around this pool, ready to dive in. And I just need I need to maybe just slip in. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but uh, um, whatever I can do, really.
1: Gotcha. Now. This is, be honest with me, I'm not judging, and neither are the thousands of viewers. <laughs> but your Babe Ruth, yeah, he knocks him out of the park, and I'm not a sports guy, but how many swings did he take? How many times did he right. swing? So my question to you guys, how many offers are you making, let's say, in a week?
3: For myself, uh, you know, I've got a full-time job outside of this, so. I'm doing this after hours on the weekend, so I, you know my offer count is probably much lower than it should be. Okay. Um, if I'm getting one offer a week, I, I, I would be I would be happy with that. I'm probably one every other week at this point.
1: Okay. Yeah. So two a month. Yeah.
3: That's okay. Two offers
1: a month at least. The cool thing is that you recognize that, yeah. and you know, that's that's two more offers a month than a lot of the viewers are probably making. <laughs> so okay. So two. How about for you now?
2: Well, for me, I've actually kind of. Fell back a little bit with making offers because I got a ton of projects going where it's just kind of pulled me to a different direction, unfortunately. Um, but I mean, I was making offers three and four a week, five a week because I did, the more offers you make, the more deals you close. So um, even if I just had to throw something up and it didn't stick, it was just like, I met somebody who to sell a house, this is my offer. They decline it. On to the next, you know.
1: Gotcha. So if we can have a takeaway moment here on this, a write-or-down moment, we have Dave that says maybe an offer every other week because he's busy full-time with his job. Completely understand. And we have Shamik over here that says, I was a machine putting a lot of offers out she's had 8 deals closed he's trying to close his first one now i'm not saying that that's going to happen with everybody but if there's one common denominator there the more offers you make the more they can get accepted the more deals you can get through okay. so sometimes just being cognitive of knowing that i have to make 5 offers this week regardless offer for anything offer to buy my laptop right now for 30 bucks you know that's a deal mm-hmm. cuz we're all just here doing deal making all i can say is no right. you know you're not gonna, if you're not a little bit embarrassed of the offer you're making, you're offering too much, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. Yeah, I mean, you're not offering market value for these things. You're just trying to get a deal.
0: Hey, this is Andy from Real Flow, And a couple of the most common things we hear from our listeners are, I want to become a real estate investor, but I don't know where to start. Or I have a real estate investing business, but I'm having trouble scaling. We took these to heart and decided to create the Real Estate Investing Lifecycle, a downloadable PDF which lays out the six foundational steps required to run a successful real estate investing business. You can download your copy today at reilifecycle.com slash start. Happy investing.
1: What would you say is your biggest obstacle? They, you're saying, man, I could really crush it at real estate if
3: dot, dot, dot. Well, right out of the gate, more time for me, you know, having, a, you know, trying to work two jobs, that's, that makes it rough. But, you know, leads having, have something flowing my direction where I could get, you know, something collecting in, in, a, in an inbox or, hey, here, here's a lead, you know, you know, call this person, call that person. That would absolutely, you know, from, from my angle, you know, I'm, I'm driving down the street looking for the little white and yellow, red sign that says, you know, for sale by owner, you know, stop in, taking a picture of the house and then doing my research. But uh, yeah, in, inbound leads would be huge for my end.
1: Wow. Inbound. mean, Now we had an episode where we talked about direct mail and we had a couple of direct mail powerhouses on here. Yeah. And the one just told us that he sent out 6,000 postcards at 50 cents a piece. So basically spent $3,000 and received 90 calls. Forty-four of them were worth having a conversation about. Four of them actually looked like they were turning into a deal, and the one actually was going to be a deal, but he had some title problems, which I think is probably still a closable deal with a little more tweaking. So my point in that is, shameless plug on Real Flow again. We were talking about that, but their their new direct mail campaign is thirty-five cents a postcard. So if you're sending out ten thousand postcards. And spending 3,500 bucks, if you have that, and I'm not saying that everyone has that or they don't have that, how many calls could that generate and how could that really change your deal flow?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. That would be incredible. incredible. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So maybe that's something to think about just for everybody listening is just instead of going out chasing that deal is actually having the deals flow into you through some marketing, some inbound marketing. Great. So... Now I'm going to beat up on you a little since I just beat up on him for not making enough offers here. There's nothing like being on a show and just being having a hatchet job, right? So you've just told me you've done eight deals, you've made money, you're doing well, and now something has distracted you and pulled you away from this. What distracted you from a profitable business that's working and making money?
2: Um, well, quite honestly, my... Investors, I created a partnership with one of them and we created a company to manage the rehabs of the investors that that's buying properties here in Cleveland. So I don't know how I fell into this uh, role, but I became like this project manager. So now I got all these projects that I'm managing and it just took me off a course, but I'm actually trying to get back there to focus more on finding deals?
1: That is the serial entrepreneur's answer because it's so easy to fall into the shiny object syndrome, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, when you're a new entrepreneur and you're like, you made money at this and I can make money at this and I could do this. Right. And the most powerful word that you can add to your vocabulary is no. Mm -hmm. No is a great word to add because everything you say yes to you're saying no to something else. Right. Like you're saying yes to that pesky family, wife, and kids, <laughs> and you're saying no to making money in real estate. I'm yeah, just kidding. Right, right? But no, you're saying yes to your job, which is a, a you know, stable job, income, it's your future, it's how you're supporting your family, but you have to say no to doing the in- or outbound calls. And the same thing with you. You're saying yes to being in construction management now and no to going out and finding deals and making offers, which is what you originally started into. Right. So I guess we're going to have a takeaway point on that again is probably to set the goals of what would work best is for you is getting some inbound stuff flowing in where it's uh, maybe going to designate numbers so you can watch and see where they're going. So if you miss the call, you know you're calling them back in a telemarketer or something. And for you possibly, you can transition possibly out of that role if you considered taking the investors, you're overseeing their rehabs And only overseeing rehabs on properties that you sell them, Mm -hmm. not properties they buy on their own. Like, you know, if I buy a a car from a dealership and, you know, there's a warranty, they're going to service it for me. But if I buy a car down the street and take it there and say, hey, you mind doing a free oil change for me? Probably not going to happen. Exactly. (laughs) And construction management is one of the (laughs) hardest things to to be a part of. Absolutely. So we found the the scary part, the things that get us off course, the things that are holding us back. What is it that gets you up in the morning and keeps you up at night? The level of excitement with the word real estate that keeps you even in the game. That makes you want to do this and not go off and sell widgets or keep your job or be a construction manager.
3: <clears throat> all right, let's start to what what gets me up. You know, knowing knowing that there are houses all over, you know, northeast Ohio that that are in reach of you know, myself where I can get to them I can I can view these things there, there are people actively selling their houses there are people that are in trouble that want to get rid of their house I'm in this game I know that I can help um, I have the passion to do it I've got to drive I, I mean I, I've wanted to do this for for many many years and have waited and waited and waited finally just said I've got to do it I've got to, I've got to jump and get into this game <clears throat> what keeps me up at night I would say is getting into a deal and having it go South, you know, that, that, you know, you've, you've been through, you know, eight of them, you've been through Mm -hmm. how many hundred, who knows, right? So, you know, the unknown, what, what could go wrong? And that fear of failing or or falling down, you know, investing somebody's money. I I don't have the money to front on a, on a a large project. So I'm going to, I'm going to get an investor. And if it starts to go South, oh my God, what happens? What do I do next? Who's going to bail me out of this? So that keeps
2: me up a little bit. For me, um, well, Just the freedom to take care of my children and break these generational curses of poverty is what uh, motivates me to stay in real estate. I've tried a million things in the past. Um, I'm an entrepreneur to the heart. So punching the clock for me is just like not an option. And the, the other things that I've done has prepared me for today. And real estate is just like the only way I see doing those things.
1: Awesome. Now, is there anything that scares you about it?
2: Um, the whole idea of real estate is scary. Like the risk that you have to take, um, tenants. Uh, um, it's, the, the whole thing is scary. I mean, that's why it took me a whole year to do my first deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so looking back now, we all, I knew at a very young age, when I was in eighth grade, my mom said, why don't you buy a double living home and rent it out? And I was a kid, and we, I remember sitting in my fort in my backyard. We built this little playhouse, and I was like, I'm going to have rental property someday. And my, and my friends also make fun of me, so it's going to be a slum slumlord, and they're going to live in houses like we're staying in here <laughs> and everything else. And, and it just became something I was always going to be a part of my identity. Like that title, you gave yourself as a real estate investor a year before you even did it. You know, the labels we put on ourselves are very, very impactful. You know, it's not even the labels other people put on, us; it's the ones you put on yourself. Right. You know, it says Rob the House Guy. I kind of have to be in the real estate business if I'm right. going to take a name like that. So, with that, I knew from a very young age I wanted to be in real estate. And I just got into it. So, what was your aha moment? Like, yeah, real estate is it. This is where I first heard about real estate. Without mentioning the names of anybody, if you heard.
2: Okay. So, this was actually probably back in about 2003. And I went to one of those um foreclosure seminars yeah. back at like a hotel or something mm-hmm. um and from that moment i knew like this is what i have to do but the fear of not having any money no credit um children being a single mother like however would i have been a real estate or uh, a real estate investor you know so um it was like get your real estate license <laughs> And I was like, "Um, okay, but you know, you're still gonna be kind of like punching the clock and waiting for a commission check, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So um it was just like, I gotta do this, you know, So I left my job uh, about four and a half years ago, and I was just like, this is I have no no other options. This is it. I gotta do it.
1: So years ago, <laughs> you went to foreclosure seminar big lag time to four and a half years ago, you leave your job. Lag time is six months. You gave yourself the title of real estate investor. Lag time for a year, you did your first deal, did a bunch of them, and now you're trying to find your way back.
2: Yep, pretty much. So
1: that that is real progression of exactly how it goes. You, Dave.
3: Yeah, I will tell you I probably woke up on Saturday mornings waiting for the kids to get up and, and you know sat on and, and watched the, the, the numerous fix and flip it shows on TV. Yeah. And I'm intrigued by the construction of it and how they're turning deals. And there's a few of them out there that really walk through the process and, and it just sat and ate away at me like, that is not that difficult to do. It really seems easy, right? How, you know, okay, somebody's selling something, you buy it, you make it a little bit better and you sell it for a profit. Okay, simple, why, why can't I do it? So going through, again, years of just watching those and just kind of beating it in my brain, like you have to do this, you, you really want to do this. It just, I pushed myself to, to you know, again, get on the internet, listening to, you know, uh, YouTube videos of people that have, have been successful, watching uh, um, or listening to podcasts of, of, you know, the different, you know, uh, companies out there that uh, succeed. You, you just you just drown yourself in the knowledge of it. And to me, that's what just finally said. I just snapped and said, I'm doing this.
1: Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I know those um, Fix and Flip shows have gotten a lot of people involved in this. We've had some of the stars on those shows on the show here and um, talked about it. And uh, it, it's, it's very um, Hollywood driven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, as a project manager, yes. really being into it, yeah. you're like, wait a minute. This is nothing like I saw last week. It's like, where are my guys? They didn't even show up today. Exactly, right?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, all right. The word I ask everybody on this show is Freedom. What freedoms are you hoping to gain from this completely? I, we, I know we talked about generational poverty break and spending more time with your kids. What does the, the ultimate freedom mean to you?
2: So freedom means to me um, being able to just provide for my babies. I mean, that's my number one thing in this world. Um, and I have four of them. So providing for them, like, you know, where, like my son, he's running track, he's going to nationals next month nice. um, in North Carolina. Okay. And it's like, you know, three years ago, it'd have been like, I don't know how we gonna get there, son, you know, or I got to borrow some money from somebody or so having the freedom to say, okay, what, 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 give me a date, let me know so I could make the schedule and we gonna get there and taking all four of them instead of just him and I, right. you know? Um, just being able to provide for them when they, not only just like ramen noodles, you know, for dinner, but nice, healthy meals and in a in a decent area to live at and a decent school to go to, and that's my number one mission in life.
1: So, so. freedom is quality of life. Exactly. Awesome for my babies. For your babies, and yeah. when they're grown, you're going back to being a project manager. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. Dave. Well. Uh- kind of a lot of, like you said here, I mean, having, having the ability to, you know, go on an extra trip or, or provide, you know, provide a nest egg for, for my kids and my wife to be able to just enjoy things that normally we wouldn't, um, you know, I, you sit and dream about vacations and we talk about, you know, we wish we could do this or wish you could have that. And it, I, I want to bring those wishes to come true. I mean, it's bring them to life. And I think with a side hustle like this and, and you put in the extra grind, I think I can make it happen. So, um... The why is providing extra things for for my family that we never thought we could have. Well put. I'll tell you
1: what, I always look at it, guys, that, you know, you're kind of in an amusement park. And with all our ages, me being 20 years younger than both of you, of course, but we're all probably at 5 or 6 o'clock in the park. So if you're going to do something, go ride a ride, now's the time to do it. Don't let the park close. So if you're gonna get in this real estate investment, it's time, like get in, get it done, get the experiences for your kids while they're young and take them on vacation, be at their track meets, be at their soccer games. That's what it's all about for me too, I love it. Great answer. So you guys have all been watching the Real Estate Investing Roundtable. I'm your host, Rob the House Guy, and remember, nothing works unless you do.
0: This episode is brought to you by RealFlow, the smart way to invest in real estate, all the tools you need to automate lead generation and marketing. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to leave us a review and subscribe.